everybody, it's me, Katie Asaurus. Hey everybody, it's me, Hey Goo. And welcome to episode 24, 24. Of, of Infinite Quest. It's a lot of episodes, Eric. It really is. I'm really amazed. I remember we were like, let's just get 10 episodes out and we'll see what happens. And I was like, cheapers. <laughs> and now, 24. now this is our job. Yeah, now this is our job. That's really weird. That's really cool. I really thought our office would be cleaner once this... Listen, <laughs> I've been really up. depressed. Hey, sweetheart, me too. It's okay. We'll, it's, we'll do a cleaning session it's afterwards. It's so dirty in here. <laughs> uh, so, hey, before we start this episode, um, I just want to recommend that if uh, you're my mom, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> so, um, but, okay, that's kind of a funny joke. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, this episode is going to be about kink and sex and ADHD. Um, and so if you are uncomfortable with hearing stuff about sex and sexuality, if this is not the right episode for you, if you know me in person um, and you don't want to know some things about me that you can never unknow, perhaps skip this one. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, Mom and Dad, do me a favor and skip this one. I just don't <laughs> want to have that in the back of my head the whole time. So, I honestly don't know if my mom listens to my podcast. I'm pretty sure my mom doesn't listen to this podcast. But just in case, <laughs> if you are my mom, maybe, maybe skip this one. Cool. Cool. Well, Katie... So it's finally here. We're having the kink episode. We're having the, the, long, the long-awaited kink episode. I should I should say right off the bat that when I say kink, I am saying K-I-N-K, not C-A-K-E, because apparently a lot of people think that I'm talking about cake when I'm talking about kink, because I tend to mutter. Uh, and so I've had this weird fear that everyone is going to be very confused about my affinity for baked goods <laughs> for the next two hours or however long this episode will want to be. Um, so, yes, I'm talking about kink, like the sexual <laughs> practice. Well, so, Katie, you're an experienced kink person. You talk about <laughs> kink on TikTok. I do. You have side gigs. Um, sorry, you can cut that out if you want. I didn't think of Surprise! a Surprise! <laughs> I do have an OnlyFans. Um, whereas I'm, I'm very new. You sort of introduced me to the world, and that's really, <laughs> and thank you so much. Um, it makes me sound like I was like, join my cult. But you were, you were interested in it before yeah. you met me. You just didn't really know how to start, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I had always sort of had this, I don't want to say like a, I had this like hole inside my heart or something that needed to be filled, but there was always this like gray area in my head that like ever since I was like a young person, like 10, 11, 12, whatever, like there was always like this, whoa, things intrigue me that don't seem to intrigue other people. And then as I got older and like became more sexual, I realized like, oh, some of this stuff has to do with sex. And so I've always been sort of approaching it. But I've never had like a Virgil to my Dante. Um. <laughs> Such an oddly specific reference. <laughs> so well, no, I think thank you so much. You've you've done a lot of me great uh, great service. Well, as we travel the layers of kink hell, um, <laughs> maybe <laughs> I think maybe like honestly like the the I feel like the place to start is just by defining what we are talking about when we say kink. Yeah, definitely. Um, because one of the things that I think is really interesting is that I I literally googled what is kink because I've always had sort of like my preconceived notions and my understanding that I've built in my years as like a, a kinkster and a kink educator and that kind of thing. Um, but what I found is that there's actually like a weird sort of change in the terminology that is happening. Um, and so I wanted to talk about that at the very top of the episode for people who might be like, what the fuck are they talking about? Um, 
But so when we talk about kink, we're talking about the activities that are most normally sort of held under the umbrella of BDSM. So uh, consensual practices that involve but are not limited to like bondage and discipline, dominance, submission, sadomasochism, um, basically like power dynamic, like explorations of power dynamic and how those manifest in our lives and our sexual lives and that kind of thing. Um, but one of the interesting things that I found in my research is that there is there's been sort of a, a change in the terminology. Like it used to be BDSM was the term. Like if you were into BDSM, like that was your definition. But as BDSM sort of, uh, like porn, basically, like as <laughs> porn sort of became more graphic and became much more about like, just like the dominance and submission side of things, there was sort of this trend to start just talking about kink as a whole. So kink is basically the opposite of vanilla sex, um, you know, straight vanilla sex. Um, and that's like the origin of the term is like, if you have straight regular sex, there is no, it's straight, there's no kink, it's not bent. Um, and so that's like literally where the term comes from is is kink. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. I might, that might be a lie, but I read that on the internet and I said it out loud and then I went, 90 people are going to email us and tell me how wrong I am about <laughs> that. But that is, that is part of the, the history that I read is like the term kink comes from like that sort of like change in what would other be like heteronormative sex. So... Yeah, I think uh, uh, such a core part of it, and you've already said the word, and I, I want to make sure we highlight it, um, uh, we give it the attention it deserves, is these consensual practices. Mm -hmm. So if you're having a, a non-traditional sexual encounter that you feel wasn't consensual, like that's that's not an accurate representation of kink. what kink is. No. Kink is all about, something I particularly enjoy about it is... Um, although you're doing these things that from an outside perspective might seem dangerous or risky, it's all within this immensely safe bubble of consent and understanding, well, um, which I think is amazing. And I like that you said that because I think right off the bat, one of the things that I want to address is the things that kink are, is not. Mm. And like, first off, kink is not non-consensual. Like kink is always negotiated. Even non-consent in scenes is negotiated. And like, that's a whole other bag of potatoes that I don't want to get into. But like, consent is vital and mandatory for any kink practice. Um, and I think that's really important. Um, but the other thing is that kink is not indicative of abuse. It is not indicative of, you know, bad parenting, like you have daddy issues or mommy issues or anything like that. It is not indicative of mental illness. It is not indicative of any sort of like brokenness or anything wrong with you. It is a predilection. It is a series of preferences. Um, but for many people, and I think this is really interesting, um, and there's actually a really great quote that I'm going to frantically pull up as fast as I possibly can. Jillian Keenan, who writes a lot about sex and kink, says, kink can be such an orienting force that for many of us, it even overpowers gender. Hmm. And I think that's really interesting um, because kink is not indicative of, I, I literally just said this, but like kink is not indicative of being broken or you're crazy or you're gross or disgusting. Um, 
But on the other side of that, many people are fiercely protective of their kink identities. And they are fiercely sort of, um, uh, I don't want to say guarded, but, but their identity in the kink community makes up a huge part of who they are. And so the conversations about kink in, in like sort of the larger, more like, I don't, I don't want to say like normal, but like conventional society can be really difficult because talking about like being a submissive or being, you know, I don't know, like a, like a leather daddy or something, people can look at you and go like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, oh, did you get spanked as a kid? Like that kind of thing. Where it's like, no, like this is a major part of who I am. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that right off the bat as we go into this episode and we talk about kink, um, because especially talking about kink and neurodiversity, I don't want to paint the picture that what we are saying is that like every kinkster has mental illness or has a neurodiversity, nor does every person with a neurodivergency or a mental illness enjoy kink. Like that is not what we are saying. So having cleared that up, shall we move on to the episode? <laughs> sure. I feel like I just like apologized for 15 minutes before we started the episode. But like, <laughs> it's just, it's really important to me that, that like we, we approach this conversation from like a very clear point of why we're talking about this. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? I, I think you clarified for a, an appropriate amount of time. Okay. And, and I think one's not to draw a, 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 a terribly bold um, parallel, but, or, or analogy, um, but I think, I mean, for me personally, and, and perhaps we'll get into this a bit more later, my understanding of my own neurodiversity and my understanding of my own kink identity were both very much a similar experience and in, in fact aided in each other. Yeah. And so I think um, if you are neurodivergent and you are also kinky, um, it's, it, 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 well, speaking from experience, it helped me to learn more about my kink identity it gave me sort of the courage to learn more about my neurodivergent identity. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I think too, like one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this episode is because I have found that there is such a fit for neurodivergence in the kink community. Like it makes a lot of sense. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, but one of the things that I struggled with was finding resources about like kink safety and neurodivergency. Mm. Like how do you play safely in a scene when one person or both people have time blindness? How do you deal with rejection sensitive dysphoria in terms of being a top or a bottom, you know? Um, and, and those kind of conversations, like that is why I started like making the TikToks and, and the content that I've been producing is because so much of the conversation around kink is geared towards there are two, like, you know, neurotypical people having these conversations. And so the, I, I don't feel like there are nearly as as many resources and, and guides and things as there should be for people who do have neurodivergencies, um, you know, and I think that's that's important to acknowledge as well, like, as we as we talk about this, because... We are both neurodivergent, and that presents its own series of challenges and stuff. Absolutely, one of the more striking ones to me was um, uh, was dopamine deficiency. Uh, ADHD person has a dopamine deficiency, and when you're just getting flooded with all this crazy dopamine, especially early on in kink, and you experience what you've told me is called frenzy. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this this is amazing. Let, let, let's do this forever, all the time. Which means all the time is, is a very risky thing to, to try to hold in your brain when you have time blindness. 
Um, but that was that was definitely something that I, if I didn't know from you, thank you, um, that you have to be careful about the amount of dopamine that's getting flooded in your brain when you're a neurodivergent person and a neurotypical person, but especially if you're a person who already has an ADHD deficiency. Um, yeah, well, and for somebody who might not be hip to the cool lingo, um, when we talk about frenzy, we talk about um, it, it's a very common experience in the kink community. And it's a, a new person comes into the scene and they start playing and they start, you know, experiencing like kinky activities. Um, and they tend to to sometimes people will be like, I need more, I need more right now. Um, And it becomes like a very dangerous cycle of risk taking activities where people are going out of their way to experience as much kink as they possibly can right off the bat. Um, and, And so that is called frenzy, because it is not necessarily the healthiest way to sort of like get involved in the community. Um, and I was one of those people. I, I had a wicked case of frenzy. Um, but because I was primarily playing with, you know, individual partners, like, you know, one at a time, they didn't know. And so, like, I did some really dangerous stuff. Um, and so I that's something that I think is really important, especially in conversation with neurodiversity, is, um, is that, like, dopamine drop um and well and just drop like drop Mm, in general like sub drop dom drop is such a real thing um and it and it's about the burning through those chemicals in your brain and you just you feel like shit the next day but when you already have naturally lower levels of dopamine and serotonin like wow can the sub drop hit hard Mm -hmm. and then even more with like rejection sensitive dysphoria and sub drop it's not great sometimes yeah you know oh yeah I don't know where I was going with that, but this is this is a really good podcast so far. It's just oh, it's- me apologizing for everything that we haven't talked about yet. <laughs> I'm really nervous. I'm really nervous about this episode because this is something that, like I'm so passionate about, and I care so deeply about the kink community and like the neurodiverse community. I like I'm really scared that I'm going to say the wrong thing, you know. Mm. And I realize that we have the ability to like edit. We can edit this afterwards. But like, I don't know. Like, I just like, I feel like I have so much to say about this. And like, now I'm trying to like say it all at once, which is silly because we could just do a part two and a part three. That's true, Katie. For forever. This is our podcast. I'm having frenzy about the kink podcast. (laughs) This is what is happening right now. Well, well, all right. So then then, then I'll I'll give you a break. Let me talk. Let me try to say everything. Okay. I am going to drink my very noisy drink right now. Oh, yes. Please go for it. I regret putting ice in my drink. Yeah, ice, ice, ice in podcasts. Uh, just generally not friends. Um, well, so I was just reading. There's, there's a researcher named Samuel Hughes um, at the University of uh, California, Santa Cruz, who is a prominent kink researcher who basically goes on FetLife and whatnot and assembles these research projects to just study what is up with kink, what trends are going on in kink. And he identified five stages of kink development in a person's life. Um, the first is sort of self-exploration. Um, when you're to that, apparently it typically occurs before the age of 10. Now this does not necessarily have anything to do with sexuality. It's just particular episodes of, you know, TV, like a superhero movie (laughs) where there's a person tied up in distress. Again, it's not necessarily sexual. It's just that for some reason makes your brain go like, oh, this is intriguing. It draws your attention. Or if you're playing, um, cops and robbers or capture the flag um you want to be captured you enjoy being captured and or kept in jail and and capture the flag 
Um, or, oh or I'm going to have, I'm like, you haven't told me about this yet. And so I'm realizing that live time, I'm going to be running through these moments in my head and I'm very <laughs> excited to see what I well, want. Can... Oh, I'm going to have a podcast breakthrough. I know I'm going to have a podcast breakthrough. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Cause I've already had my first one. I'm like, yep. Okay. Well, I know what I know. Okay. All well, right. absolutely. Like, so I, I was going to list all five, but, uh, but this first one is, int- is fascinating because I'm doing the same thing. Like I remember being like, but when when memory barely existed for me, like those little things where I don't remember what was happening, I just remember little snapshots. I remember like um, uh, I always really liked trying to get like I would wear long sleeve shirts, stretch out the sleeves so they were like way over my hands, and I always liked trying to get them as tangled as possible so that like I was restrained in my shirt. Again, nothing to do with sexuality. I had no idea what sexuality was. It just for some reason that was intriguing to me. Um, Stuff like that. I, I'm trying to think of other not examples I don't necessarily want to bring up because you do a lot of weird stuff when you're a kid for no reason. Um, this is a judgment-free zone. Well, thank you very much. Um, but I remember, like, um, uh, what else? Um, I remember um, whenever I would, like, go to the bathroom, I was always like, toilet water's weird. <laughs> like, I, I didn't, I never, like, drank the toilet water. Now that if, if you did drink the toilet water, then that's fine. But for some reason, I was like, what makes that different than normal water? Isn't it weird that we consider this to be, but like that just for some reason just triggered my, 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 my brain to be like, to wonder about that kind of thing. Um, which is, so it's just fascinating to read that, that apparently a kink, one's relationship with kink, apparently, according to Samuel Hughes, starts very early. And what's fascinating about that to me is that at that same time, I was noticing things about my neurodivergencies in much the same way. Interesting. Which now, I now looking back, I was like, oh yeah, I was I, my my basement was constantly you know filthy with with half finished project. You know, when I was six, I really enjoyed like crumpling up tin foil and hitting it with a hammer, so it became like this little piece of metal. Like I love that. I did it all the time. Um, but I would I would like do that and then forget about it and then become obsessed with spray painting. Like I remember there was a big board in my basement where I would just put like things up against the board and then spray paint over it and then remove it. So it had like this little print on it. Oh yeah. So I was just constantly doing stuff like that. And like when my friends came over, some of them, the people that ended up being my really good, like childhood friends loved doing that kind of stuff. And some of them were like, what the fuck <laughs> are you doing? Like, do you want to watch TV? <laughs> like, I don't understand what you're, what you're doing. Um, and I think, well, the second stage of, of, of a, uh, kink relationship is uh well uh, samuel hughes's five stages of kink relationship typically occurs between the ages of five and 14 um where you basically start to realize that these fascinations uh, that again also may not be necessarily sexual are not shared by everybody that there's that you, you know you might feel that you should keep them secret or that you should feel ashamed god forbid um about those sorts of things. And again, in much the same way, as I started realizing that not everybody, um, uh, not everybody shared those same neurodivergent qualities that I didn't understand were part of some larger trend at the time, um, I started becoming ashamed about those. I started becoming ashamed about how messy my backpack was and how, you know, I couldn't sit and just watch TV with my friends. Um, and so the, my, my relationship with kink has followed a remarkably similar trajectory, like every step of the step of the way. This is fascinating. I love that you are drawing this parallel. 
Right. So what's the what's the third? Oh, the third um, typically occurs between the ages of 11, 14, which is sort of evaluation. Okay. Which is, okay, so where does this leave me? And I guess you could sort of think of this as like a, a gestation period or like a, a, a simmering period, a distillation period where, you know, where does this all leave me, basically? Evaluation. Mm-hmm. Um, what do I do now? Typically at this point, um, it starts, this is general, apparently, again, according to Stanley Hughes's research, this occurs between the ages of 11 and 14. And that's when this it's normally generally becomes a, a markedly sexual thing masturbation <laughs> is involved um seeking out I'm pornography so and other upset at samuel hughes like <laughs> by the fucking numbers i'm tracing right? this in my own life well when you like i was 11 i was 11 years old the first time that i masturbated like i remember that I was 11. Like, I'm just, fuck you, Samuel Hughes. Yeah, and it was like, I know, well, even when I first started, like, I don't know at what point it, like, became, or it goes from, like, mindless self-exploration to official, like, masturbation. I have no idea. But I remember, yeah, like, around 14, I didn't know, it was, it was like, it feels so weird using the term kink in relation to an 11-year-old, but it was me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm referring to my 11-year-old yeah. self. Um, I... Did I didn't masturbate in the way that like I don't know one would picture masturbation like picture what it is in movies and stuff like that. Sure, it was just like trying to experience interesting sensations on my genitals, frankly. Yeah. Um, and that was like a several year long period. Eventually, I realized like more efficient ways of doing it, and that became the way that I did it. But in those early stages, as that weird fascination with strange things started to blend and and gradate into sexuality, there was like, yeah, 11, 12, or between the ages of 11 and 12, it was just, it was what I now notice to be sensation play is I was just curious about all these weird sensations that are happening. Not to mention during those ages, I will generally, one is going through puberty Mm -hmm. And so your sexual self is awakening. There's all sorts of strange hormonal things happening. Well, it's one of the reasons why, I mean, I'm sorry to cut you off, but like, I think it's like one of the reasons why, like, I, I changed the way that I introduced my TikTok videos. Hmm. And and I thought a lot about this because I used to be like, if you're not 18, get the fuck out. What I realized is like, I was 11 when I started exploring my sexuality. Like I was, you know, I was 11, 12, 13. And it's like, I do I think it is appropriate to be like, hey, kids, let's talk about fucking sex? No. But I think that it's really important that we talk about sex and sexuality in a way that makes the 11 and 12 year olds not embarrassed and not ashamed. And if they have questions and if they have concerns... Like, they can go to the people that they trust and say, like, hey, like, this is the thing that I want to learn more about or whatever. And, like, there shouldn't be, I think, there's, I'm going to say that better. Like, there's such a stigma and there's such, like, this weird thing about, like, we can't ever talk about bodies with kids. We can't ever talk about sex. And it's, like, do I think that, like, like, it's it's very nuanced, I think. You know, it's it's a very delicate thing because you don't, like, every kid is at a different developmental stage and, like, kids mature differently and that kind of thing. But, like, it's weird. Like, it's weird. It's just like you said. Like, it's weird thinking of, like, sexuality in terms of myself as an 11-year-old. But, like, I remember that. Like, I remember having those thoughts and, like, being confused as an 11-year-old. And so I wish that there was a way that it was, like, 
appropriate to like have those conversations in a way that doesn't make you sound like an absolute fucking creep monster you know because <laughs> it's just like i don't know it's like i just like i worry so much about like the the katie's of the world who are like out there being like what's wrong with me why do i like these things and it's like well you're 12 we can't let you listen to this podcast yet but right. someday you're gonna be like i wish i had this when i was 12 and it's just like what do you i don't know i don't know how to have those conversations yeah, it's, it's something. It's something that honestly infuriates me. That whenever like sex education is brought up in school, like even the idea of referring to the bare science behind sex to somebody under the age of eighteen, politicians and and and, and notable, typically religious figures will say like it doesn't belong in the schools. That's the job of the parent, but not them. <laughs> I'm not fucking talking to my kids about that kind of shit. They can learn on their own. There's so like it's it frustrates me how much kids and teens and whatever sub 18 year old people um are just so left to just figure the fuck out yeah like have fun like i'm put, i'm gonna put a blindfold on you and tell you to run through this room and you're gonna figure out what's going on in there by smashing into everything <laughs> and you're gonna have an awful time where i could just take yeah. the blindfold off and say look all this stuff like it's uh, it's absolutely infuriating um so then the next phase, as, as Samuel Hughes puts it, stage four of kink development, is finding others. Um, he's, this typically occurs yeah. between the ages of 11 and 18. Um, perhaps that, that middle evaluation phase was very quick. <laughs> you started. Yeah. But again, this does not necessarily mean that you were finding other people as sexual partners. I remember when I was, I think I was probably 13... When I met groups of people who I could say, like, hey, you know, isn't it kind of weird I know he drinks toilet water or whatever the hell? People who weren't immediately put off. I want to very quickly clarify what? that Eric has been talk- talking a lot about toilets. I know I keep and that is that not That's the not kink, my thing. That's not my not thing. It's not the kink conversation that Eric is alluding to. No. He just picked a very weird example. That was a very strange example. But, yeah, so that's that's not my thing. Not that there's anything wrong with that being someone's thing. But just for the sake of accuracy, that's not my thing. That was just a weird example of, like... A conversation that I wondered about, but I couldn't have. I couldn't have with people because they were so guarded all the time. But I remember when I met like the, this group of, of of people. I can remember their names. I won't say them, but um, I can remember their names. When we could, ju- I, I did. I felt like I could just express things. I could just say things and say, "Isn't that weird? What do you think about this?" I remember my first, uh, the first girl I kissed. Actually, um, her name was. Uh, Miriam. She had a nickname that everybody actually called her, but her real name was Miriam. It's a very strange nickname, so I don't want to actually, but Miriam, you know who you are if you're listening. Hello. Um, <laughs> can't, can't decide if that's a better or worse dox of like, she had a nickname, but here's her real name. Well, like nobody knew that it was her real name. Like, there's nobody knew. Um, but anyways, uh, I remember she was my first kiss. We were kissing. We were kissing on like a merry-go-round at a park, you know, the ones that you could like spin. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and I kiss. I was kissing her, and then I just remember saying, like, isn't it weird that we don't just spit in each other's mouths? <laughs> I swear to God, I said that. I was like, because it's the same thing. Like, that's all we're doing by kissing is oh, we're just swapping saliva. God. And that's fine. <laughs> but if you spit in someone's mouth, it's, like, strange. It's the same thing. You're just exchanging saliva. And she just laughed really hard. Oh, my God. And she was like, yeah, that is weird. And I was like, I don't want to be, I, I remember, I clarified. I was like, Miriam. Like, I want to clarify, I'm not asking to spit in your mouth. 
I mean, if you want me to, I will. I'm merely wondering why that's weird, but kissing isn't. Well, if you ever noticed it, like, sidebar. Mm-hmm. You, there's a lot of saliva in your own mouth right now. Yes. You listener, there's a lot of saliva in your own mouth right now. Thanks for pointing it out. But if you spit, like, into your hand. Right. Imagine licking it back up. It's no, gross, it was... right? And that's disgusting. It's the same thing. It's already in your mouth. It's just now you've removed it from your mouth. And you're putting it back in. Why is that so much weirder? I have no idea. It I, don't know. I, I, I still lose sleep over it. Anyways, <laughs> I remember like how all of your bones are wet right now. Oh come on, Katie. They are. They are. They're all. All of wet. your bones bones are wet. Are just wet. All of them. They're except all inside for, of you, wet right except now. Except for perhaps your teeth. My teeth are very wet right now. What about your cochlear bone? My. It's the bone. It's the tiny, teeny, tiny bone in your ear. I feel like those it's are probably wet. Those are covered in hair and earwax. I don't think that's true. We're gonna have to edit this part out. No, we're not. This we're is too it. gross. No, you gotta leave it, Katie. This is what gives it gives it gives it gives it gives seasoning to the podcast. The weird. <laughs> Although I know you'd like undressed salads and dry sandwiches. Listen, no I, sauces. I'm so sidebar to the sidebar. I don't like sauces. I like pasta sauce. I like pancake syrup. And that is about it. And I don't know why you keep trying to feed me aioli and vinaigrette when I have clearly told you over and over and over that I don't like sauces. They creep me out. I don't like them. They taste bad. You're not going to change my mind. Hey, hey, Eric. Hey, what's up? Hey, are you are you ready for this? Yeah. It it's it's our first commercial ever. Oh my god, we're like an official podcast. I know, I did it. Who's the sponsor? Who's the sponsor? Well, Eric, I have a couple questions for you. Well, I got a couple answers. Do you know what I like? What do you like? Katie? Being able to see. Oh, I love it. It's like my favorite. It's like my favorite thing. Do you know what else I like? What else? Being super stylish. I like both of those. Second, only two being able to see. Do you know what the third thing I like? What's that? Affordable glasses frames that are also quality. You just named my first three favorite things. That's Katie. really weird. In, in exactly the, the same that, that order. Well, I have some really good news for you, Eric. Really? Yeah. Thanks to our good friends at zlool.com. That's Z-E-E-L-O-O-L.com. Um, you can get stylish and affordable glasses that can also infect help you see oh my god i'm never gonna leave their website i'm just gonna click around uh, but here's the most important thing uh when you're on that website if you use code kdo that's c-a-t-i-e-o uh they'll give you 10 percent off your order what yeah they'll uh, give you a little uh something something off the top well when you f- when you frame it like that Katie. i know when you view it through that lens no <laughs> ocular it's uh, it's it's really uncharted territory because like when you go like to the eye doctor, there, there's no, it's like you know like the the A and then the the letters yeah, get like smaller. A chart. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a really you good. You know point. what I always say whenever I I just guess the whole time. I just I just go Z E E L O O L. That. That's what I guess every time. <laughs> also, their logo is glasses. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't know. Really? Yeah, the L O O L makes a little pair of glasses. Oh, yeah, that's and, adorable. Yeah, I know. And you can go look at it if you go to zlul.com. That's Z E E L O O L.com uh, and use discount code KDO for 10% off your order. I've been I've been looking on their on their on their stuff lately. I'm going to get one of those sweet Atticus Finch glasses. Oh, you're going to look so good. And I'm going to like walk around and I'm going to be like, I object. 
it's going to be the sweetest thing. I already object to that idea. Because of the code KDO, I can afford it now. And that. because everybody wants to know, I'm just going to tell you right now, the green glasses are called the Dalton glasses, and you can get them for 10% off at Zulu. Oh, finally, I can sleep. I know. Oh, gosh. All right. Uh, do you feel we have commercialed adequately? I think we commercialed pretty adequately. Let's, okay. uh, let's glasses pun. That was a really good glasses pun. Thanks. I'm really proud of you. Thanks, Zulu. Okay, thanks, Zulu. Nailed it. Crushed it. Bye. Hey, everybody, it's me, Katie Osaurus, and we just wanted to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Honey Playbox. What is Honey Playbox, you might ask? Well, I'm going to give it to you straight. They sell sex toys. But here's the thing. Honey Playbox believes that pleasure, play, health, and accessibility are necessary for positive experiences of sexuality. And you know what? Here at Infinite Quest, we agree, especially in conversation with how tough sex and sexy times can be when you're struggling with ADHD or depression or any sort of neurodivergency. Having open, honest conversations about sex and sexuality are really, really important to us. And our friends at Honey Playbox agree. And not only do our friends at Honey Playbox agree with that, uh, they also want you to save a little bit of money while you're having these conversations and exploring sexuality and what works and doesn't work for you. So they've hooked us up with a 20% off discount code. From now until the end of March, use code InfiniteQuest to get 20% off your order. That's like honestly not a bad deal, you guys. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Also, just because I think this is very funny, Honey Playbox was kind enough to send over just a ludicrous amount of stuff for me and Eric to look at and talk about. So in the next couple of weeks, you're going to see some content over on the YouTube. And we're also going to talk more just about sex toys and how they can help uh, your ADHD relationships. So we will uh, be posting that content soon. So you have that to look forward to. So again, use code InfiniteQuest if you want 20% off your order over at Honey Playbox and uh, have have fun. Okay, bye. Anyways, so back to spitting in Miriam's mouth. Fucking back to spitting in Miriam's mouth. I remember <laughs> the feeling of alleviation when I could finally just wonder stuff to people. Um, again, some of them were related to sexuality, some of them fucking weren't. Um, but I remember just being able to just be myself. Sometimes they would laugh, sometimes they would go, huh, but they weren't just completely like, they were engaging. They weren't just yeah. like, that's weird, we're not going to talk about that. And that was also the fucking same with my neurodivergency. There well, were certain people who I couldn't just be openly ADHD around. Like, I just yeah. couldn't do it. They would, Or if I could, I was like a prop. I yeah. was there for entertainment. Yeah. Oh. It makes me sad. I was fucking entertaining. I mean, look, I, I was. Mean, you're, you're and very, I liked it. I like being yeah. entertained. Well, what I think is really interesting is like, and I haven't gone into a lot of specifics with mine, but like one of the things that I very, very clearly remember is like my, I found my like kink community right around that age. I was like 14, 15. Um, you know, back in my day where we didn't all have the internet and cell phones. <laughs> um, but, like, finding online communities of, like, kinksters were, like, yeah, I'm totally 18, you know? But, like, that was how I learned. Like, that was how I found out that, like, there were other people who liked the things that I like. And I think, like, TikTok has become that for a lot of people. Like, whether or not oh, yeah. it is 
you know, like, oh, I have ADHD, here's a community of ADHD people or autistic people or kinksters or whatever. Like, I feel like a lot of our listeners, a lot of our viewers are are in that part. They're in that, like, especially our younger viewers are in that moment of, like, finding out that there are other people like them. And it's, like, weird to remember back because like I literally haven't thought about it in years. Like I remember the websites that I used to go to. I remember like the fucking like GeoCities message boards because I'm elderly. <laughs> you know that I would I would frequent and I would I would learn things about kink and BDSM and that kind of thing. And it's like now we might be part of that person's like other people's journeys and that like weirdly like makes me happy like i feel like it's it like, a little bit like full circle yeah absolutely it does. <laughs> and, and for a moment that, that makes me feel out of pressure to be like accurate and whatnot but yeah honestly what i was looking for at the time i didn't know that this is what i was looking for at the time but looking back i wasn't looking for accuracy necessarily i was looking for fucking honesty yeah <laughs> so well, many I'm... people were so guarded about i mean i'm still frustrated when i when i would ask strange like i'm trying to be honest without being vulgar but when i would like you know there'd be a scene in a movie that i'd be watching with my friends and there's like a person tied up or there's a person like you know in distress and it's it's a movie so i'm not we're not looking at a person actually in distress yeah but like and you know just for the because i want to be like intellectually and emotionally intimate with like my friends that's something i value in a relationship I would feel the urge to say what I was thinking, which is like, you know, I don't know. Wouldn't you like that to happen to you or something <laughs> like that? And they, like, they wouldn't, they would either laugh in a dismissive way. Like, that was an entertaining and funny thing to say. Thank you, Eric. Or they would just go, Jesus, and, like, not do anything. So laughing, like, you're laughing right now because, you know. I'm laughing because I like, know the movie that I asked my friends about. What was the movie? There, it, this is a true story. This is a real true story about me. And it's funny that you said the 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 first sort of exploratory level one of of it's the same scene. It's been the same scene for a lot of my life. Oh god, I think my brain is telling me that you've told me. I think I have. And I want to try I've to think of this. it, but I don't want to sit here in silence for ten minutes while I try to remember. That's okay. So it's... as soon as you say it, I reserve the right to go. Oh god damn it! I would have. I would have okay. gotten there. Go Are you ready? It. Yes, I'm ready. It's the corset lacing scene from Meet Me in St. Louis. I would never have gotten that. Okay, totally but that, that was one of the first times that I remember being, like, actively fascinated by this, like, idea of, like, corsets and confinement and, like, that kind of thing. Mm. And then I remember being, like, older and, like, you know, you want to show your friends the movies that you love. And so I showed them Me, Me, and St. Louis, which I want to be very clear, is a fucking Judy Garland movie musical from, like, the 1940s. Like, it is not a sexual film, like, in any stretch of the imagination. Is that um, the one with that song that she forgot the lyrics to? Yeah, the trolley song. That's 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 that one. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, okay. I've, yeah, right. I've, see, I've told you about this movie because I love this. I love that movie. But, like, so I remember being a teenager and, like, showing it to my friends and being like, oh, my God, like, wouldn't it be, like, so cool if, like, we all, like, had, cor- like, corsets or whatever? And they were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, and I remember being like, oh, I'm the I'm the weird one. I'm the one. But, like, to this day, like, now, like, as, as an adult who, like, I'm comfortable talking about my sexuality, like, lingerie and, like, corsets and, like, that, like, they are so like appealing you know Mm. what i mean and like that is that is like a part of my like 
whole kink identity is like the the clothes that I wear when I am kinking. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the hell is the noun or the verb form when I'm? I, I would Kinkin. say like playing, playing in a, in a oh, scene. Oh yeah, I guess you say playing. Yeah, but I mean, it also depends because, like, you know, I mean, we we're gonna get to this probably later, but like, you know, I'm a switch, so like, I'm not always subbing or submitting. Like, right. Sometimes I'm topping or like I don't know. I don't. Oh, I I'm also... sure that there is a word, and we're gonna get another forty emails. Like you fucking idiots. Like... <laughs> I also want to clarify. I'm I'm glad you you said those terms. So there's subbing, being the submissive person. Mm-hmm. And then the opposite of a sub, generally speaking, if you're looking on the internet and stuff, the term you will most commonly see is doming. It just so happens that Katie doesn't aesthetically I like the word dom. I hate the term dom. I hate it. Why? Oh, so so instead, Katie used the term used the so term I, top. So I say top. I say so topping and bottoming. Topping and bottoming. Because is, I... Yeah. <sighs> I have this weird, I think part of, and I also hate the term brat, but that's the term that I use the most on TikTok because I think it's the funniest. But like, I think that submission is a misnomer because in a healthily negotiated scene, really and truly the submissive has all the power. The submissive is handing that power over to the the dom or the top or whatever you want to call it but like i am on like when i am my this you know subbiest sub in all of subbington subspace mcgee i am under absolutely no impression that at any point i could just be like hey i don't want to do this anymore and it would stop because i'm in charge i am in control And so, like, and there are some people who, like, genuinely give up that power and have, like, that genuine power exchange. But even that is negotiated. Even yeah. that is part of the sub- the submissive or the bottom or whatever. And so, like, I just say top and bottom. And, like, in, in my head, top is the person doing the thing and the bottom is the person having the thing done to them. But I also think it's important because I am a switch. And, like... Not to spill the beans this early in the episode, but, like, we have been doing stuff, and we will switch in the moment. And, like, mm-hmm. so it's, so it's like, all of the, surprise, everybody, this is the big reveal. <laughs> this is the first recorded, we've referenced it on, like, lives and stuff. Yeah, this is talking. the first recorded instance of yeah, us admitting this to, is, this is it. to being, to being romantically involved together. Right. Well, nobody said it was romantic. <laughs> that was so mean. I'm so sorry. That was really mean. Oh, that was really mean. I'm sorry. Well, jokes on you because that was significantly louder than the rest of the episode, and you're gonna have to because oh. you're doing the editing this week. So ha ha. Oh no, it is so loud. Look at how. Look at that. Look at all that. Those spiky spikes. Oh no, that's terrible. <laughs> oh man. Well, so on, but, on the on the but topic yeah. of so I mean, I'm oh, sorry. You go. No, 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 no. You go. Thanks. But no, I mean, so like, I don't know. Like, I realize that it is a very per. It's like the same thing. Like, I hate being called ma'am. I fucking hate ma'am. I live in the South. I get called ma'am all the time. I fucking hate it. And so, like, for me, like, I have my own sort of, like, verbiage or, like, I like to say top instead of dom. But, like, in the general kink community, like, when I am teaching workshops, when I am educating, when I am doing classes or whatever, like, I say sub sub and dom and, like, I use them interchangeably. But, like, I personally, Katie... I don't like calling myself like a dom. I say I top sometimes. Yeah, and I, I like the idea that that 
the submissive person isn't actually submitting. Like they 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 still have as much power as they ever have, which is why I love the concept of calling an instance of a kink encounter a scene, because it's a scene in the same way that when two actors are like Ian McKellen isn't actually a wizard. What you are aware that he is not actually a wizard. Sir Ian, well, how Sir does Ian, he know where to stand? People told him. Where? How does he know what to say? Listen, they give him a script. Huh. Written in the script. <laughs> that's a very. That I'm a, really proud that we took that bit so far. That was a reference for, for ten people. Uh, just, just you're welcome. Oh. Um, but in much the same way, in a, in a kink, a scene is basically an instance of a kink encounter. Um, so scenes begin, scenes end. Yeah. Um, well, and I do want to say though that. When you get into conversations about like twenty four seven or yeah, like outside yeah, yeah. of the bedroom, like those are also perfectly valid and totally like normal parts of much of the kink community, but like because there there are a lot of like lifestyle people, you know what I mean, and well, that yeah. is super valid. Um, but that also comes with its own. I, I mean, I I know I just said this, but like its own set of like negotiations and rules mm-hmm. and agreements and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah in that, yeah, I guess why I guess my I was just harping on 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 the language involved, and I you saying that like oh a submissive person isn't necessarily actually giving up power, although in some cases I mean I think might. they're I but think I think the the word scene lends itself well yeah. towards towards edifying that. Yeah, I think the like, I think like like alone. Like, I think it's, like, alone, you know? It's 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 L- looking... L-O-A-N, alone? Alone, yes. Not alone, like, home alone. Um, because, like, I feel it's like... It's like a home loan, not like the, home alone. Yes, like a home... God damn it. <laughs> Fuck! Boom! Um, but, like, I think, like, for me, the appeal of submission, the appeal of being the bottom is, like, I don't have to think. Oh, yeah. I I am turning off my brain. I'm I'm looking at my partner and saying like I'm trusting you to like guide this experience and make this experience into something where like I don't have to think. I will just do. And that to me is like really really appealing. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um but you know, for other people it's it's for other reasons. You know, like some people like the service aspect of it. Some people like the the sort of care element of it. Like it's it's submission looks different on everybody because the terms and your partner and it's so complex. It's so complex and I have no idea how to talk about well, any think, of it. I think that's the, the that's why one of the reasons why it's so fascinating. Like something I like to think about is like uh, do you, well. So let me ask you. Let me ask you. Let me give you a little question here, Kate. Okay. And to, and to anybody who's who wants to, to, to okay. try to answer. Oh God, now I'm nervous. What is the the single most complicated naturally occurring structure? that humans have ever observed in the universe? The... The spiral. No. What? Quite, that one's quite simple, actually. It's the human brain, Katie. <laughs> the human brain is by far the most complicated, naturally occurring structure in the entire universe that we've ever observed. Stars, gravity, four forces all acting together. We can make very accurate models of galaxies and shit. Those are generally pretty well understood. I mean, there's still a lot we don't know, but in terms of, we understand galaxies much better than we understand the human brain. That's annoying. Right? I find that to be deep. Like, I'm annoyed. You own one. I am deeply annoyed. You own the most complicated, one of the most 
You own a, an instance of the most. I would rather character. own a galaxy because it would. Me too. It's Me fucking. Too. It's exhausting having this brain. It's pretty dank. I'll, I'll, you must be very jealous of uh, Will Smith and, and the other man in black, <laughs> and that cat. Must be real jealous of that cat. Well, have you ever noticed that it only rains when I cry, Eric? That's probably really funny. I'm sorry. It's it. that was a really tight Men in Black reference. You're welcome. Anyways, <laughs> do you know? So, given that one human brain is the most complicated naturally occurring structure that humans have ever observed in the cosmos, when you put two of those motherfuckers together, whole it is infinitely more complicated. So every conversation, every interaction you have with somebody else is two different instances of the most common, most complicated naturally occurring structure that we've ever observed in the cosmos interacting with each other. And so a kink scene is one of those instances, which is why it's so fucking complicated, but also why it's so fucking fascinating is every single kink relationship is unique in the same way that every single human relationship is unique. I'm stressed out now. That's (laughs) stressful. I think it's pretty cool. But also, on the topic of you turn like being submissive and turning your brain off, how much of that do you think has to do with your ADHD? All of it. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is. I know that you're not shocked, um, but we forgot to do the last one, the last of Hughes. Oh, the five. We got to do that because otherwise, we're never gonna get. We got it. What is it? Tell me about it right now. Go. Oh gosh. Um. So the fifth one is as an as an adult finding others and exploring with others especially it's like the i mean i don't know if this is what what hughes intended is to be thought of as but i think of it as like the promised land like now for example where we you and i are both in that phase i i just got really excited to yell level five the next time we're doing a scene together (laughs) level five five, baby picturing like you know an animation in like a a, a, an rpg or an mmorpg when you level up and there's like sparkles and stuff i'm gonna get you a little you know like when like the playstation like the little and the little achievement is unlocked oh yeah yeah. i'm gonna just scream achievement unlocked level five and i'm just gonna ruin everything that's xbox you fucking pleb I don't play video games, <laughs> so eat my whole ass. But so that's that's sort of, <laughs> it, which and and so again, this is my under like interpretation of what Hughes was trying to say. So one is you're sort of in the dark. You 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 kind of notice that you find interesting things, like well, this scene in the movie where the person or in the superhero movie where things are tied up. Or, like, for me, I like getting my shirt sleeves all tangled so that I can't move. It's followed by um, a period of sharing have nothing with others and largely with that being kind of rejected like, because they exactly. are also in that same phase. Um, and then the sort of weird middle period where a, a, an immense stigma is created in your own head. Well, not just created in your own head, but because of yeah. the way that society treats well, that, makes sense. that kind of stuff. You're in the sort of like, oh, shit, here we go. Then it's followed by another phase of further exploring and then finding people that do are at least willing to explore and have perhaps taboo conversations. And then the fifth stage is like, okay, now that I found these people, now that I'm like over 18 and have agency and can go where I want and all that stuff. Now I can explore my own identity and help other people explore their identities. Um, And that's just a, is a, is a wonderful place to be. If you know, if you're being healthy and consensual and safe about it, of course. Um, so that's sort of how I understand it. And I think those five stages are eerily similar to at least my own experience with my neurodivergency is, I mean, there's certainly an argument to be had, I think it's, it's, it's kind of strange, which is not to say that, 
again, like as you said at the top of the episode, it's not that if you are kinky, you are neurodivergent, or if you're neurodivergent, then you are kinky. They're, they're separate things. But in this case, I, th- I find them to be mentally analogous. Yeah. I also, something we haven't really touched on yet that I'd love to talk about is how does kink aid in or in, in any given any way relate to your neurodivergency? Oh, well, I'm glad that you asked, Eric, because that was the next thing that I wanted to talk about. You did a good job. That was real good. That was a good... Katie, Katie that's your thing, not mine. Transition. Also, just so everybody knows, this is going to be a long episode. This is part one of them. Yeah, this, this is, is part, one, part one, but also this is probably going to be a long boy because we fucked up and got way off track. So, okay, so the thing that I think is really interesting about kink and neurodivergence is that so there's been a ton of studies done on on basically sex and and neurodivergency particularly sex and adhd and over and over and over these studies show that people with adhd experience dramatically higher levels of sexual dysfunction than neurotypical people and like it shows up in like 39 percent of men and like 47% of women and stuff like that. Um, But... Sorry, I just want to cover. What do you mean by sexual dysfunction? Well, I was going to tell you, Eric. (coughs) Um, So so here's the thing. So across the board, the sort of like dysfunctions or problems that people with ADHD tend to have during sex are the following things. I wrote them down. Trouble paying attention and staying focused during sex. In general, having a low sex drive. Now, I want to caveat by that saying that there is also a sort of other side of the coin of a lot of people also experience hypersexuality, but it can kind of peak in valley as well. Or sometimes you have like extremely low sex drive and sometimes it's like, oh God, it's all I can think about. But it tends to be very one or the other with a lot of people with ADHD. Um, with that, too, with the, the, the balance between hypo and hypersexuality is very sudden changes in your sex drive. Like, literally, you can be, like, doing the act, you fucking having sex, and, like, change your mind in the middle of it and oh, be yeah. like, I hate this, <clears throat> I want, that's I want what, this. That happens to me all the time, like 50% of the time at least. Yeah. Um, so then... Another component that comes into play is things like risk and risk-taking behavior that tends to be a little bit more related to hypersexuality. Um, and then the big sort of glaring major one is for for anybody with ADHD, trouble orgasming. Mm. Um, and then for men in particular, erectile dysfunction. And then for women, just trouble with arousal. Mm. So those are kind of the problems. Um, but what I think is very interesting about kink and what i think is very interesting about kink as it relates to adhd is that kink is very very uniquely suited to help with a lot of these problems and i'm very carefully and very specifically using the word help not solve because i am not purporting that kink is like the 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 savior of everything it's going to cure your adhd not saying that but if you if you think about kink and you think about like what is going on when you're having these like kink experiences a lot of them are sort of a direct answer to the issues of sexual dysfunction in people with adhd and i think that's fucking fascinating 
fascinating. It's so interesting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry, I spaced out during the last That's sentence again, that you I said. watched it happen. Did you I was really? like, there's no, no one is home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was totally okay. with you. And then literally, like, it's end okay. the last sentence. I cut the last, like, three words, and I was like, oh, shit. I totally missed that. Do you mind repeating yourself? For the for the viewers, for the, for the listeners at home. No. no. Definitely not for me personally. Not for you personally, because you've been paying attention this whole time. Yes. Um, no, I mean, I think it's just, it's fascinating how if you start sort of breaking down the component pieces of kink and different activities and different things that you can do in kink, they sort of become like a one-to-one parallel of like a lot of the problems that people have in terms of sexual dysfunction. Oh, so they're like microcosms of... Yeah, like, well, like you talked about earlier, like trouble paying attention or staying focused. Mm -hmm. Sensation play. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like varying the, the sensations, exploring different senses, like bringing attention to or taking away different senses, like... That is really, really oh, yeah. useful. But there's still like a stigma of like, oh my God, I can't use a blindfold because that's not kinky. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And it works fucking great yeah, if you absolutely. have ADHD because you don't have anything to look at. You can just focus on the sensations yeah. that are happening around you. Like, uh, Oh yeah. I mean, I think in, in, I said earlier that my, as I explored my kink identity, my ADHD identity or neurodivergent identity started to take shape as well. And one of the big sh- absolute shockers to me was we were doing a scene one time and you uh like i f- fucking love classical music like a lot um and y- you were like i'm gonna put uh music in yours um i can't remember what piece it was specifically i think it was rachmaninoff five <laughs> there is no rachmaninoff five well then i was wrong <laughs> i think it was rock three um, but, uh, and I remember being, when, when, when we, when we were like, again, negotiating, like, what do we want this scene to be? What are we going to do? I was like, yeah, t- that sounds great. And so, but then the, the moment came and you did, and the scene started and I was listening to Rock 3, which is one of my all time favorite pieces of music. Rachmaninoff's third piano concerto, by the way. Um, I remember being like, I, I we got like a couple minutes in and I was like, this is not going to work. Because it was just too much, which is strange because in my everyday life, I very often need many different things going on such to focus on any of them in any capacity. And so I figured, oh, in a kink setting, in a sexual setting, Katie, you're... I'm so thirsty. Your water's out. There you go. Oh, Oh, God. Oh, man. God, I was so so rude you were going to start chewing on that ice, but then you started choking and I was very relieved. So now I'm chewing and choking at the same time. <laughs> so this is a great podcast audio. Hey, everybody with misophonia, I'd like to personally apologize for this week's episode sponsored by Bad Life Choices. I have some chalk, some styrofoam nearby if you want me to rub those together, whatever you want. <laughs> um, but I remember being shocked that that wasn't the case. Yeah, because in my everyday life, if I'm doing work or cleaning or whatever, um, I need to have many different things going on mm-hmm. such to focus on any of them because then I can bounce back and forth switching between focuses and that just helps me keep stay going but that is apparently not at all the case in any sexual setting kinky <laughs> or otherwise which i i don't like i don't know what what's up with that because i'm i'm only like two months into my kink <laughs> experience um but i found out that in in kink the opposite was true earplugs blindfolds restrained at minimizing of any other variables so that the sensation that in this that you are giving to me mm-hmm. is the only thing that's happening 
Yeah. Like one of the most, something that I get asked about a lot that I'm hesitant to, to talk about because I'm bad at it <laughs> is practicing mindfulness um, and being, which is roughly can be described as just viewing in, in a completely objective and not judgmental way the, the physical, the sensations that are going on, the noises you're hearing, the sensations within your own body. The most mindful I've ever been in my life by far was when we were doing uh, wax play, when you were doing wax play on mm-hmm. me, which um, to, to those listening who don't know what that is, basically there are these specifically made candles that whose wax, whose, I'm just personifying these candles. That's fine. Who, yeah, sure. Who's you know, wax? Barry and George, Barry, the candles. Like, I'm picturing them dancing now. with There's like, like little like Lumiere, Beauty and the Beast. Like, <laughs> I was thinking of... Um, our guest. I'm sorry, that got too, that was, went too far. I was far. thinking like um, Steamboat Mickey. You know, oh, with the sure. gloves and he's like bouncing. Yeah. Anyways. What are we doing? Well, I need to clarify for safety purposes. Um, sex wax, uh, wax play wax, melts at a low temperature. So that's enough to kind of like hurt a little bit and notice it. But it's not hot enough to do tissue damage. Do not ever do, it. do wax play with regular candles. Don't do it. It's, ever. Bad. it's bad for you. Bad, bad time. Anyways, I was blindfolded and earplugged. And you were, would basically drip this wax onto me, which again, was not enough to do tissue damage. It's hot and like sort of jarring, but it's not, it doesn't do tissue damage um, at random spots in my body. And my entire brain went, and the only thing that was occurring, I was just aware of my entire body because I never knew where the next drop was going to fall. Right. And that like changed my understanding of what mindfulness was, that experience. That's like really that's like a really nice compliment. Right? Really? Thank you. Well, it was the wax, not you. Okay. Well, I could have built I a was, that I that. helped a little bit. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm just being a You're right. Like my job could have been replaced by a robot. <laughs> well, right. soon enough, all of ours is topical. Um, but anyways, so my as my kink identity has been developed, so too has my neurodivergent um, identity, um, and I think a lot of it. What's also interesting, I think a lot of it has to do with turning my brain off, like when I'm yeah. subbing or bottoming. Um, I, my brain turns completely off. I'm just, I'm trusting you to provide whatever experience you think would suit the moment. And so I don't have any decisions to make. I don't have any, anywhere to go. I like being restrained for that reason. I don't have to worry about moving my arms because they're just in the same spot. But you also absolutely kind of to tie in both the conversation about consent and then also like one of the problems that a lot of people with ADHD have is like their mind suddenly changing. It's like you absolutely have the power in the moment at any point to be like, nah, no, absolutely, like yeah. we're done. Or like, can you change this or fix this or whatever? And I think that is also one of the other reasons why it's it, kink is so appealing hmm. is because like you have permission to change your mind and like, I want to be very clear, you always have permission to say no, and you always have permission to change your mind. But like in kink, especially because there is so much communication and there's so much negotiation that it is understood that mm-hmm. like you're like, and I struggle with it. You know, I struggle with like asking for changes or stuff like that, but it is sort of understood that like sometimes stuff is going to go wrong or something that worked yesterday isn't going to work today. And so it's always a constant conversation about consent and change and negotiation um, whereas I think that like, sometimes we have this idea that like, oh, well, I'm having sex. gotta see it through. Like, no, fuck that. Oh, yeah, no, you don't. I think like the, 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 the high octane-ness of a, of a, that can be, can occur during a kink scene or the volatility that can occur during a kink scene. Um, 
requires the couple or people or however, whatever the fuck is going on to be hyper vigilant about consent and communication and negotiation, all that stuff, such that like during vanilla sex, all of those practices that we've learned through kink scenes, we're now just extremely good at saying like, hold on, my arm is numb from sitting in this <laughs> position or whatever the hell. Sort of, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a good analogy. And the, the one I'm thinking of is like, so I'm a professional cook and in a kitchen, it is very dangerous to be unaware of your surroundings. It's very dangerous to just whip around without, without checking first, because somebody could be carrying a massive pot of boiling oil and scar book to you for life. Like you, it's because of the. <laughs> yeah. Eric. Oh, Katie, I'm sorry. Yeah. You want to, you want to. Katie, Talk a little bit Katie more about pans of face. hot oil okay. burns on, on your face. I'm sorry, Katie. It's okay. I'm just giving you shit. Anyway, It makes you look cool. Because of the, the volatility and height <laughs> and danger that is that is present in a professional cook culinary setting, um, there's you have to be hypervisual about those sorts of things. Such that now, when I'm in far less high-octane situations, I'm still very aware of my surroundings. I'm still very aware that when I'm coming around a corner at speed that I should slow down for a second and look before I... And so I think kink play, kink, kinkiness, um, can very much, even just in, even infrequent kink experiences, encounters, um, scenes, can help vanilla sex. Like if you have a partner and you, you know, you're not, neither of you are particularly kinking, every once in a while, just doing something that requires a bit more communication, a bit more just... Yeah. It can help you just get on the same page about, hey, if you don't like something, you can always tell me. Which, not to be overly, you know, broad about it, but in everyday life. Now it's like, I feel you, Katie, that I can say like, hey, it bothers me when you do this little stupid thing. Because we've established that uh, we both of us always have permission to, to, to say what makes us comfortable and stuff like that. So I, I'm also, I, I think... Which you are very good at, and I am very bad at. Yeah, we're work, we're working. We're working on. It. on it. You did well last night. We were using the um. I know the deep muscle tissue massager thing, the thing. Yeah, the and thing. you not in a sex way. Not in a be sex very way. clear. Just in a just in a massage way. I asked for one whole thing. You did. I, I was did. Very proud of you. I did it. It was very I nice. Did. Yay! Yay! But anyways, I I th- I'm in a stage. I'm I'm in the beginning of my my kink identity, I suppose, or at least early stage five of my kink identity. Um largely thanks to you thank you very much um and so i'm sort of i'm realizing a hero you basically (laughs) are i'm realizing all the ways that it's that it's helping me that i didn't expect i couldn't imagine my life any other way anymore pretty great well here's what i think at this point i think we need to do a part two yeah we're i think i think we're gonna have to do a part two i was gonna bring up a whole new subject what were you gonna bring up well let's 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 save it because we we want to start talking about. It. But I do want to, we should keep our episodes to reasonably consistent length so people know that they have enough time to listen to it on the way to work. Let's or whatever. keep it keeping it consensual, keeping it consensual one hour. We're uh, um, we're yeah, that's but, important. But the difference between how being submissive helps my ADHD because I make zero decisions, and how being dominant or topping helps my ADHD because. I'm making all the decisions, but Ooh. for one exact purpose, which is to provide my partner the best possible experience. So I'm never wondering anything. I'm just, all everything I'm doing is in service of making your experience as good as it can be, which is like the exact opposite of being submissive, but it helps my ADHD in exactly the same way. It's called being a service top, Eric. 
Whoa. That's that's what that is. It's all the lingo. There's so much lingo. I know. So Anyways, is Kate. that is that the teaser trailer for next time? I suppose it is. Do you have any? Do you have any uh, little closing thoughts at the at the end there before we? Before I mean, we shut it on out. I think the thing that I would say, and again, like I feel like I'm just preemptively apologizing because I don't. It's weird. Like I've spent so long teaching workshops and classes and like and being in the kink community but i still have this fear that i'm gonna like say the wrong thing and it's like well if you say the wrong thing then you apologize and you educate yourself and you move on but i'm just like what if i was wrong you know yeah um because i think that's my perfectionism showing through um but i think the the real thing is like kink is huge it is a huge topic there's a there's a lot to it there's a lot of nuance but I don't know, like, the, the, the reason why I wanted to start this conversation is because I'm realizing how many people we are, we are meeting and, and hearing from and, and, and honestly learning from who are on stage three, stage four, stage five. Like, yeah. there are so many people who are out there and who are looking for information about, like, well, how does kink apply to me how does my special concerns how do my special needs and wants and, and that kind of thing how do they how do they translate into my belonging to the kink community i think and and what i would say is like my answer to those people is like you belong like you absolutely belong like you are valid regardless of neurodivergency regardless of mental illness like whatever things that you might have that you feel like are a hindrance they're not because the whole point of kink is solving those problems together and establishing that intimacy together and negotiating and communication communicationing that's the word that you use <laughs> um and i think that's just like that's the, that's the whole point like that's why i wanted to do these episodes because i just i just I don't ever want anyone to feel like they don't belong, especially when I feel like there's so much good and there's so much like healthy, good stuff that can come out of participating in kink. Um, Shining, shimmering splendor. Tell me, princess. I can show you the world. Don't you dare close your eyes. So it's a song about butt sex, Harry. Did you say? A Whole New World is about butt sex. It is, isn't it? It is a song about butt sex. That's right. You're welcome, by the way. Yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> End of the podcast. <laughs>Congratulations, you made it to the end of the episode. Before we go, uh, from all of us at Infinite Quest, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast week after week. Thank you for leaving us reviews, letting people know why you love the show. Thank you for sharing our content on social media. You have no idea how much all of that helps us out. We are building something truly special together, and we could not do it without you, our community. And Eric and I just wanted to take this opportunity to say thank you. We are so, so grateful. This week in particular, we want to thank our new patrons. So thank you to Caleb, Brianna, Kitty, Samantha, Jessica, RK, Becca, Elliot, and last but not least, Commodore Cuddlebutts. Thank you particularly to Commodore Cuddlebutts. <laughs> 
Anyway, if you're interested in becoming a patron yourself, you can head on over to patreon.com slash infinitequest for more information. And again, from all of us at Infinite Quest, thank you. Remember to be kind to yourself this week. Remember to drink water. And remember that we love you. We love you. Thanks. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon.